now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. Episode 40, BK Show. What's going on? Happy April. A very important and very fun next few months begins on the show, around the game, in the booth, back again with the South Bend Cups. Great to be back. Now, for you guys in Indy that are listening, for you guys around the Midwest that are listening, Baseball season in the summer, it takes priority. Because that's what we do. But I can tell you that the pod is not going anywhere, presented with our friends at Friday Beers. Thankfully, every Monday in minor league baseball is now an off day. So as long as I can keep on getting interviews, I'm good to keep the pod going. But again, baseball season is the season and the South Bend Cubs are back April 8th, opening day for Winsfield, Quad Cities River Bandits, the Kansas City Royals affiliate, and we are back in action. I can't wait to be back in the booth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew Berlin, Joe Hart, Nick Brown, Chris Hagstrom, Max Toma, everybody involved for allowing me um, to get back to how things should be, and that's broadcasting baseball On a great summer day in South Bend and around the Midwest, too. Whether you're in Fort Wayne, Dayton, Grand Rapids, Lansing, Midland, Michigan, East Lake, Ohio, the state of Wisconsin, the state of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan. It's all over in the Midwest League. Good one on the way. Episode 40 BK show. Friday beers, 15% off. All purchases right now. Get ready for summer. T-H-E-B-R-E-15. Tell you it's right on the way. It's going to be May before you blink and before you know it. Uh, again, good interview coming up, along with a spectacular guy that I had the pleasure of chatting with for 15 or 20 minutes last week. That is the Chicago Cubs director of hitting, Justin Stone. Justin, who was a private instructor for many years, elite baseball training, in Chicago, which is just down the street from Wrigley Field. Theo Epstein, before he departed his post with the Cubs, wanted to make sure to leave them in good form. That's exactly what they got in Justin Stone. Again, the director of hitting for the Cubs. So not only does he manage any and all hitting at Wrigley Field at the big league level, he manages any and all hitting that that takes place with the Cubs around the country and around the world. Minor leagues, Dominican League, Arizona Fall League, Whatever you got, he's got the info on the boys. It's a great conversation with Justin Stone, a guy that has been a coach, a guy that has been an advisor, consultant, now director of hitting, and a guy that tells a pretty cool story about how he used to be involved with the White Sox in the early 2000s. Of course, at that point, that's when the White Sox were going on their World Series run. So pretty cool story with Justin Stone on the way there. Again, it is baseball season. I cannot wait, but certainly 
a lot to talk about from the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, the National Hockey League. A little bit later, we are going to get to as well some March Madness, and we're going to get to some Circle Center Speed Round where I give you my top four teams, my four teams that can and possibly will win the Stanley Cup this year. I have the list down to four, and I don't think that list is going to be revoked. I have the list of four, and I feel pretty good about it. So we are going to keep it like that. As well, we're going to give big shouts to our guy, our guy on the pod, Shaheen Holloway, now the former head coach of the St. Peter's Peacocks to the Elite Eight. Now the head coach, back in the Big East, the Seton Hall all-time assist leader. He's back where he belongs in New Jersey. That section of New Jersey, that is, as the head coach of the Seton Hall Pirates. Look, two weeks ago when I asked the St. Peter's Athletic Department to interview Shaheen Holloway, I did not think two weeks later he would be the head coach at Seton Hall. I did not think two weeks later he would have an Elite Eight banner hanging up in St. Peter's next year. And I certainly did not believe St. Peter's would impact the world just as much as they have. But... For the record, let's say, let's say the last two years with all these coach interviews, as fantastic and as fun as they have been, we have gotten now, of course, just us, we have gotten two of our coach interviews to the Elite Eight, Wayne Tinkle with the Oregon State Beavers, and now Shaheen Holloway with the St. Peter's Peacocks. Who's next is the question. I think the mission of next March has to be getting a team to the Final Four. It has to be talking to a coach before the tournament and then getting them to the Final Four. Uh, Shouts to Shaheen Holloway. We will talk about him a little bit later. But here's what I want to start with. I I don't think we should take for granted what we see in the NCAA tournament, especially this year. Now, the Final Four, you could say it's more chalk-ish. But for the first time ever, you get Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four. You're going to have a pretty darn good game, in my opinion, still, with Kansas and Villanova, even with no Justin Moore. I mean, that's heartbreaking for that kid. Justin Moore plays with his heart on his sleeve, and then to get injured in the last minute of a game is really, really tough. And and what a war that game was between Houston and Villanova. When you look back at the 2022 NCAA tournament, I think you have to put Houston and Villanova as at least one of the top three games that was played all tournament long it was tremendous. I mean, you, and you get the early overtime games right. You get the Rutgers Notre Dame over, overtime game. You get multiple in the first round. But you got to put that Houstonville. If you like defense, you've got to put the Houston Villanova right up there. And there, there's really nothing that Jay Wright can do. Look, if Justin Moore gets hurt and Villanova's up ten with a minute to go, like why the hell is he still out there, Jay? But this is a situation where Houston could have still made a comeback with 45 seconds left, and you need to leave Justin Moore out there. But your heart breaks for Justin Moore because, again, all year long, he was one of the heartbeats of that Villanova team. But don't forget what Villanova does. Maybe more than anybody in the country, Villanova is able to take over games with guys you don't expect. There's always that one guy for Villanova I remember it well when Dante DiVincenzo was just making a name for himself. You look at him, before he was even nicknamed the Big Ragu by Gus Johnson, you looked at Dante DiVincenzo and you're like, this kid's supposed to scare me? Who the heck is This kid is supposed to scare me? And then he's jumping out of the gym and dunking on everybody. And you're like, oh, that's why. Villanova, guaranteed this weekend, whether it's Ryan Archie Diacono's brother, who 
His name is just Ryan Archie Diacono's brother. It's <laughs> when you get a guy like when you get a guy like Archie's brother coming in, uh, he just goes by Ryan Archie Diacono's brother because that's what <laughs> that's how much of a legend Ryan Archie Diacono was at Villanova. I'll, I'll never forget like trying to chirp Ryan Archie Diacono when I was in the dog pound at Butler and. You know, you think you're getting in his head, and you're like, no chance. There is absolutely no chance <laughs> that you are <laughs> that you're getting his head. I, I, I remember vividly, like, trying to chirp Archie uh, it, by saying, like, not today, Arch. Not, it was, uh, not today, Archie. Not today. Not today. And then he looks at me and kind of gives me the eye roll. But, no, Chris Archie Diacono will be only named Ryan Archie Diacono's brother. But you look up and down to this Villanova roster— and a guy like Eric Dixon, who's six foot eight, he's only a redshirt sophomore. I, you look at the size. Brandon Slater is a senior. Colin, G- Colin Gillespie is a grad student. I mean, even Brian Antoine has not had the biggest run. So, yes, it's a massive loss that Justin Moore is out. But the best thing about Villanova and the thing that they do and they have done under Jay Wright forever is be able to adapt. Now, am I saying that Ryan Archie Dacano's brother is going to go out there and get 15 and just mold into what Justin Moore was able to do? I don't think so. But I'm I'm not chalking it up for a Jayhawk win automatically. And, and can't you know I made two brackets. I did well, by the way. I made two brackets. One had Kansas winning, the other had Villanova winning. But in my bracket challenges, I'm looking pretty solid. I've got three of four of my final fours in each bracket. Duke, Villanova, Kansas. I had UCLA as the other. And heck, you know, UCLA makes a decent run out of it. They play that toss-up game against Carolina. So it certainly could be UCLA in the Final Four right now because clearly St. Peter's had run out of gas. Their magic had come to an end. The shoe was not fitting Cinderella anymore. I believe the same thing would have happened if they faced off against UCLA. So that's clearly that was clearly a toss-up game between Carolina and the Bruins. But I will say, having Carolina beating Baylor may have been the best pick of my bracket. Just saying. But, again, I, I don't chalk it up as an automatic Kansas win. North Carolina Duke, I, that's it. You talk about toss-up. Because we have seen we have seen the Harvey Dent of Duke this year. We have seen the ugly and we have seen the handsome. We have seen the ugly where they can't make a shot, where they got embarrassed on their home floor in Coach K's last home game. We have also seen now the beautiful basketball action of Duke, winning the last few going head-to-head in what was an absolute thunderdome against Arkansas. So Duke has been battle-tested. You think Coach K has had a word or two with his players about how much this means to him? And I'm not saying Coach K is making this about himself, but I would think if you're arguably the best college coach of all time, you're mentioning your legacy to your guys and how you want to go out. And clearly they're playing for him. You see that Ben Carroll clip at the end where he called him the GOAT and Coach K is like, shut up! Shut up! <laughs> so, I I really I can't pick a clear winner each each game because Carolina's playing their best basketball of the year. Hubert Davis is just like Roy Williams. But how we're going to enjoy it. The final four, Carolina, Duke, Villanova, Kansas. I just wish, man, you know, you think back to the tournament last year in Indy, you just wish that 
you could have had the fan environment then that you do now. Which, you know, you still found a way to get five, ten thousand people in Lucas Oil Stadium, but absolutely not the same. But happy for New Orleans. Happy for New Orleans that they get the Final Four. Kansas may be the best team in terms of cohesiveness. Kansas may be the best team left. I don't think anybody is hooping like Remy Martin is. David McCormick down low is going to go right... Let's say it's a championship game between Kansas and Duke. I am paying money. I'm paying the Batman-type money to watch Mark Williams and David McCormick go down low. That would be so good. It'd be entertaining for sure, but at the same time, let's say you get Nova against Carolina. You know, it's a matchup of Baycott and Samuels down low. You get Gillespie, you get Manic. The rematch, Chris Jenkins, the game-winning three, the handoff from Archie Diacono, Hubert Davis versus Jay Wright, Roy Williams in the stands. What happens to Roy Williams if it's Kansas and Carolina? His two former schools that he each took to unbelievable heights. You know, Roy was on with Double D, Dan Dockich, on Thursday. Great conversation. But the possibilities of pairings in that national championship game, it's enticing. It really is. Uh, Episode 40 of the BK Show. Thanks for being with us as we get into baseball season. We got to get in the baseball form. As mentioned, special guest on the pod tonight, Justin Stone, the director of hitting for the Chicago Cubs, the guy that is responsible for anything and everything at the plate for the Cubbies. Let's hit Justin Stone right now from Arizona. Right now, BK Show. We now welcome a very special guest onto the Cubby Corner. It's Brendan King with you, and we welcome the Cubs Director of Hitting, Justin Stone, also the president of Elite Baseball Training in Chicago. From directly in Arizona at spring training, Justin joins us now. Justin, it's great to have you with us on the Cubby Corner. We were just talking about the weather off air, how nice it is in Arizona. And for you, how nice is it to kind of getting back to that sense of normalcy with the nice weather and seeing that facility packed every day? Yeah, it really is. It's my third year being the director of hitting. We haven't had a normal year yet. You know, struck by COVID my first year doing this and sit home abruptly. And then last year, you know, with the uh, the later start for the minor league season. So I've been out here on and off throughout the entire off season. I came out early for mini camp. I've been here for five weeks already. Um, and it's just been so refreshing to get to work with our players in a somewhat normal environment this year. And it's, it, it's really benefited the players more than anything else. They're getting back to a normal workload in their HP. And obviously we can get a lot more work done with them. We have full staff here and get a lot of one-on-one time hitting with our players. Yeah, Justin, what's the difference in your ability to coach and teach when you can actually be right in the same, co- in the same cage as a guy, the same meeting room, as opposed to just being virtual and through video? It does make a big difference. Part of coaching is the personal connection you make with the athlete, and it takes time to build trust. You need one-on-one interaction. And you're always making those small deposits where you're trying to set that relationship with the player by just asking him 
things while you're picking up balls, like help the family back home, et cetera. Because when it comes down to that time where you have to have a hard conversation with a player at a time when they're struggling, and we'll have an answer that we have back pocketed for them, but you're waiting for the right crucial time in coaching to present that information to the player. And it's way easier to have that conversation when you've established trust, and you can really only do that in person. Justin Stone, the Chicago Cubs director of hitting, is with us on the Cubby Corner. Justin, as you said, now multiple years into the job, but when you went from just a consultant all the way to the director of hitting, you know, what was the biggest thing on your mind that you needed to implement right away to put your fingerprint on the organization? I think just getting the entire staff, one, bought into kind of the modern style of integrating data and technology into traditional coaching because you have some established coaches that have been here and been in baseball for a long time that would have had very little experience with it. And I brought in a handful of of coaches that I'd had previous relationships with, largely worked at my facility that were doing this on an everyday basis. So trying to get each to learn from each other and build a really holistic group that can find multiple ways to and interventions to help your players. Mm. And that leads me into my next question, Justin, because as you mentioned, you know, you have a guy like Buddy Bailey, the former South Bend Cubs manager, champion 2019, who's the active winningest manager in all of minor league baseball, right? And then Lance Rimel, the manager of the South Bend Cubs this year. But for you, when you're putting together that staff, what's the challenge of putting together exactly what you want, not just at the major league level, but all over the world, right? With in the Arizona League, in the Fall League, plus the Dominican League, putting together all those pieces of the puzzle. It's a daunting task. I'm not going to lie to you. There's way more demand for those type of skill sets that I mentioned earlier than there what is supply. Um, luckily, I've kind of had a pipeline of, of people that I've worked with on the private side for really the last 20 years. So, um, being able to bring those people in that are like-minded and already kind of knew my system made the the transition a lot easier. But if I were to pack up and go to the Detroit Tigers tomorrow, I wouldn't feel very comfortable with being able to do the same thing because you'd leave your staff behind in Chicago with the Cubs, and there's not another dozen of those people growing on trees. They have to be groomed over a long period of time, and they have to study and hone their craft at the same time of spending hours and hours in the day in the cage in person with the players. That's really hard to do. That you're, you're continuing your education while you're working at the same time. Mm. Justin Stone, the Chicago Cubs director of hitting, is with us. And one of those people, Justin, right, is Dan Puente, the new South Bend Cubs hitting coach who was with you at Elite Baseball Training in Chicago. And I enjoyed reading up on how you coached against him when you were coaching Indiana State and he was playing at Bradley. But what can South Bend Cubs fans expect to see from the hitting department with uh, Dan Puente in charge? Well, Dan is one of our, our lower-level coaches that are extremely well, well-rounded and talented. Um, bilingual, played the game at the minor league level, has the feel of that, but again, spent 15 years with me at, at Elite and working. Uh, we actually both worked for the White Sox in some capacity at the same time, too. So, um, you know, some of the studies and the, the things that – uh, my facility brought to baseball that hadn't been done on the research side before he was doing that lockstep with me. So it really has good feel traditional coach. Um, he, in terms of career track, we, everybody in our, in our uh, department has some sort of career track that they are working on as well as what they're going to do in their, their baseball future. I think Dan Puente's on a career track that 
he'll be a big league coach at some point. He's taking steps to doing just that. Probably one of our most round, if not the most well-rounded coach on our entire staff. Mm. And Justin, you mentioned your experience with the White Sox. You're a former player at Eastern Illinois, former coach at Indiana State, as mentioned. But when you were with the White Sox, that was right in their window of winning, right, in 2005. So being around, I guess, that passion for winning and that drive to win baseball games and championships, what did that do for your passion of consuming the game at this kind of level where you're at now? Well, I was really fortunate that Ozzie Dean and um, the hitting staff with the White Sox at that time, Greg Walker was the head hitting coach, kind of gave me all access. I was doing – some fairly rudimentary and early high-speed video analysis that I would just, when Greg would ask me a question, I'd give him an answer or just supply him video that they weren't currently getting. This was, you know, 2005-2006 before that technology became readily available on your iPhone. I had this giant high-speed camera that'd be in the camera well for about once a homestand filming at a thousand frames per second, just to give the coaches a different perspective from maybe what they had seen before. With that, I got to watch the best players in the world trained on an everyday basis, uh, being down on the field and watching Paul Canerco and Jim Tomey go through their routines, being a fly in the wall of watching Ichiro come in the cage or <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. And it really led me uh, a lot of interesting knowledge on how different guys train in different ways. And that's precisely what I've taken to the Cubs philosophy is and we don't have 120 players with doing the same thing and cookie cuttering what we're teaching them it has to be 120 different philosophies that fit them we're trying to apply mechanics and approach directly to a style that best suits them so they can be as athletic as possible in the batter's box and we can reach them on a biomechanical and physiological sense with the data and technology we have in the background to pair those mechanics directly to their bodies Hmm. that's fantastic and how different is it from that point when you're watching the Canericos and Tomies and Ichiro's right through that lens and you apply it to now how different is obviously the technology available now compared to that extremely different and I think there's probably a lot of teams in Major League Baseball that still haven't crossed that line to maybe dipping their toe in the water but not fully integrating and understanding how it can help the player one it helps us to be right more often we're taking the guesswork out of anything we present to a player hmm. oftentimes we'll have things back pocketed for that player that we're waiting as i mentioned earlier for that right timing moment but when we make our case to the player it's with objective data and we have probably the largest hitting infrastructure in baseball um I'd be surprised if anybody has more bells and whistles than what we have. And that's all good. I'm glad that the Cubs have spent money and invested in it. But it's only as good as the context behind it. Data is data. And if it's not actionable for the player, it's just sitting in a cloud somewhere. But I think our coaches do a really good job of bringing one or two very important points for that individual. And I always say that I'm going to give them as little as I can can to get them to do what we need them to do. So every one of our players in in the system has one or two very poignant metrics that we are tracking on almost an everyday basis and that when players get out of those thresholds, we've educated them on it previously. They know what we're talking about. And that education process makes the case even stronger. Hmm. So we're able to get to a root cause of a problem before it spins out of control and the player goes into a tailspin for a two-week period. We can hopefully knock it out in two or three days. Hmm. 
The Chicago Cubs director of hitting Justin Stone is with us from Arizona. Justin taking the job now a few years ago. How beneficial was it for you, not just to have the major league talent available to you that you did, but a guys guys like Brennan Davis and Nico Horner, Miguel Amaya, Andy Weber, Chase Trump just waiting in the wings, and now guys like Pete Crow Armstrong and Christian Hernandez kind of has that next generation. Yeah, it's been fun to watch Brendan and Chase and Andy, those names that you mentioned, because even as I was a consultant, I was seeing them as they were just entering the organization. And it's the, the maturity of those individuals that you, you just talked about. Um, at the beginning, they're kind of learning their craft on the fly. And now they are much more um, understanding of the one or two things that's really important for them to be successful. So I say we have a very small circle. If you made a small circle with your hands, your fingertips touching each other and your thumbs, I said, there's only two or three things that can fit in this circle, guys. And everything outside of that circle is just noise. And we're a young player, when they're coming in, they're bombarded from so many things of just the everyday life of professional baseball. That noise can sift its way into that circle. Those three individuals that you mentioned are very good of keeping that noise out. And that's what that's what it really means to to learn to be a true pro. Wow! With our young players, we we're deeper than we've ever been. We're more talented than we've ever been since I've been here, at least as a Cub for the last five years. And I think you know PCA and Ed and some of the people that you may or may not see in in South Bend this year. Um, are going to have to go through that process still, too. And, and that's part of learning. That's part of the maturation process that really happens in the A-ball. But to say that we're not excited about the talent level of the prospects here, um, I know, as mentioned to our, some of our assistant GMs just a few days ago, it's like, man, when I first got here, we only had like three guys in the minor league system that were hitting the ball over 105 miles an hour. Mm. So now we, we might have 25. Wow. And that's uh, it's great to see it's uh our hb department is just as responsible as our pd department on that but it's an exciting time to be around the cups prospects justin a couple more things before i let you go to talk about a guy at the major league level who has just signed say a suzuki obviously coming over from japan you know i was watching ian Hap do an interview on marquee sports network yesterday and they asked him about being Suzuki's teammate now and Ian goes you know I can't imagine how difficult it is to start coming over and embracing that new culture so for you helping him transition more to the American game what are the first steps for him to really get comfortable at the plate well it's really Greg Brown our, our head big league hitting coach and Johnny Washington doing that same process developing trust with the athlete and I think that's one of the strongest suits of our big league staff they are not just really smart and talented individuals with a lot of coaching experience, they are outstanding communicators. And the buy-in that I've seen with our big league club with them in a very short amount of time is truly amazing. I didn't think it would happen that fast. Yeah, you have an interpreter, and that's uh, another obstacle you have to overcome. But what I've seen thus far is just a lot of one-on-one time with our big league coaches and the players. That makes their days really long, but that's the best way. Remember, they couldn't talk to them during COVID because of the Mm -hmm. lockout. So develop those relationships in a shorter amount of time requires a lot of one-on-one time in the cage with nobody else even in there. We have six cages on the, the major league side in, in Mesa, and there's one player, there's one coach, and that kind of, that process is happening just about every hour right now of the day and some long days for our big league coaches. But they're playing catch-up right now and building trust with the athlete, 
finding out what's important to them, what makes them successful, so they can apply their routines every day and, and make sure they hit the ground running when we hit April and get to Wrigley. Justin, last thing, of course, you've been around Wrigley for a long time, working in town, the consultant life, but a few years ago, when you walked into the clubhouse, onto the field at Wrigley for the first time as the director of hitting. What was that feeling like for you that you've had a full life in the game, playing, teaching, coaching, and you made it to that high of level? I think my kids remind me of that a little bit more than you do when you're just doing your job every day. Because when you're in the job, you don't kind of step outside yourself and like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And then your kids (laughs) remind you that, yeah, this is pretty cool. I, I will say that I, I do appreciate it. I've put in I put in the time and the effort, but to say that's not, you know, somebody that didn't play a day of professional baseball helping lead an organization to the next championship, it's uh, it's a great undertaking, but it's a very fulfilling one. You, I was saying to some people on our staff uh, the other day that one of those Facebook memories popped up, and I actually <laughs> ran the ball boy tryouts for the Cubs ten years ago, like the day like two days ago so i said i'm probably one of the most unique stories in professional baseball oh man i went from running the ball boy tryouts to being the director of hitting so i do look back and step outside myself and i think my 12 year old self would think this is pretty cool and we're still playing a kid's game and a lot of the times coaches are just like the kids as well Mm. justin stone the chicago cubs director of hitting justin i really appreciate the time today and i look forward especially to seeing you in south bend when you make the trip east about an hour and a half and we'll look forward to a really special season i'll be there shortly love the facility there looking forward to get it going Episode 40, BK Show. Justin Stone, the director of hitting for the Chicago Cubs. Great conversation. Terrific dude. A guy that has been in private instruction for a long time. As you heard in the interview, former assistant coach in the college world, but now, of course, in the front office for the Cubbies and responsible, again, for anything and everything hitting for the Chicago Cubs. Pretty darn cool when you look at his path and where he's gotten, but... All steps ahead, all charge ahead, and a guy that is focused certainly on the future with the Cubs. Looking forward to meeting Justin Stone in person very soon in South Bend. Uh, Before we go, got to hit some hockey. We got to hit some NHL. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We got to hit some NHL with the playoffs coming up the month of April, the final month of the regular season, and right now quite the race in terms of the top teams in the Eastern and Western Conference. Nobody better than the Colorado Avalanche. The Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes competing for the top spot in the East. Will the Tampa Bay Lightning win three cups in a row? Or will it be somebody like the Minnesota Wild coming from out of nowhere to possibly win the Stanley Cup this year? Can the Vegas Golden Knights even make the playoffs? That's the question right now. Knights have struggled big time with injuries, acquiring Jack Eichel, the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, but none of them, none of their roster has been able to stay healthy at the same time. The goaltending has been a question for Vegas. So, again, Pete DeBoer and crew in Vegas asking if they can even make the playoffs. That's a first for Golden Knights fans who've been so used to success in the first few years of that franchise. So we're going to hit some circle center speed round. And I'm going to tell you the four teams that you need to put a futures bet on right now to win the Stanley Cup championship. The teams that I think have the best shot 
to go win the Stanley Cup this second. I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about right now and what I am seeing. Now, there might be some teams on this list that you think, what the hell are they doing there? There might be some teams left off of this list where you say, how do they not have a chance to win the Stanley Cup? Again, this is based off of what is happening in the NHL at this second. Injuries can pile up for any club, just like the Knights. Some teams can stay healthy. And if you're going to win three straight Stanley Cups like the Lightning, you are going to need all hands on deck, certainly, because everybody truly is coming at you. The top four teams that can go win the Stanley Cup right now, it's the speed run. The first team I got to mention in the top four is a club that should always be there as long as they have capable role players around their stars, and that's the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is the Pittsburgh Penguins, who still, with their stars, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang into their 30s, are still contending in the East. As mentioned, for as long as the Pens have guys that can score and defend around those three, they have a legitimate shot to win the Cup. The big question for Pittsburgh continues to be their goaltending, though. Tristan Jari, who has looked exceptional at times, who has looked like a minor league goaltender at times, you just don't know what you're going to get. If you get the good Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh, they're going to make a deep playoff run. Now, they won back-to-back Cups in 2016 and 17 under Mike Sullivan. He's still the coach there. Brian Burke is now in charge of their front office. Brian Burke, one of the big veterans out there and hockey decision makers. He chose to go all in with this team, making some trades. Brian Rust, really good around Crosby, as is Evan Rodriguez. Jeff Carter can can still do it on that second line. But if Pittsburgh gets the good play on the back end, they're going to have a shot to win the Cup. Team number two is a team that gets overshadowed by their battle of Alberta neighbors, the Calgary Flames. Nobody talks about the Flames because of the star power that the Edmonton Oilers have. And I watched the Oilers play in South Florida against the Panthers weeks ago. They beat the Panthers 4-3. The Panthers may or may not be on this list. The Oilers may or may may not be on this list. But what I can say, nobody talks about the Flames because they do not have the star power that Edmonton does, but they have the rest of the depth and they have better coaching and better goaltending. For Calgary, Jacob Markstrom, it took him a long time to figure out in this league. Jacob Markstrom was up and down with the Panthers. Miners NHL was a sieve for the longest time. Now he's contending for the Vezina Trophy, the best goaltender in the NHL. That's the award given out. Markstrom's been terrific. Their coach is Daryl Sutter, who won two cups with the Los Angeles Kings, and they've got what they need up front. Nobody's better than Johnny Gaudreau. Nobody's better than Matthew Kachuk when you talk about just pure aggression. Plus, when you look at what is at Souther's disposal with Milan Lucic and Trevor Lewis, two guys he won cups with in Los Angeles, I'm putting it all aboard the Calgary Flames to possibly make a run in the West. The Edmonton Oilers, they just don't have that kind of depth, especially on the back end too and in the goaltending department. Number two, it's the Florida Panthers. 
Nobody in the league has scored more goals than the Panthers. The Panthers have already eclipsed a franchise record for goals with 15 more games to go in the season. They just went all in at the trade deadline, bringing in Claude Giroux, bringing in Ben Chirot, bringing in Robert Haig. Sergei Bobrovsky has won his last seven starts with an injury mixed in between. They've got a great backup in 21-year-old Spencer Knight, and they've got it up front. Alexander Barkov working on a 100-point season. Jonathan Huberto is contending for the Hart Trophy. He's not being talked about because of guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Huberto is already at 100 points. He has the most assists ever in a single season for left wings at 71. There is not a glaring hole in this Panthers team right now, but there's a reason there at number two, and I'll explain that in a moment. The Panthers, here's the thing you got to worry about. Aaron Ackblad for a second consecutive year, former number one overall pick, a great defenseman. He's out for, with a leg injury, broke the same leg last year, re-injured it. Now they're saying he'll be back for round one of the playoffs, but the Achilles heel for the Panthers in the past has been round one. They have not won a playoff series since the 1990s. If they get past that round one, I don't think there's any reason the Panthers can't go win the Stanley Cup. But lost to Tampa last year, ran out of gas. Do they have that this year? Tampa Bay Lightning have won two straight cups. Number one, got to go with the Colorado Avalanche, the most complete team in the league. Probably going to win the President's Trophy unless Carolina or Florida makes a run. But not only does Colorado have unbelievable stars in Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, I don't think there's a better defenseman in the league than Cole McCarr, former standout in college, now doing it on the blue line for Colorado. Their goaltending can be iffy, but I think the goaltending that is can be semi-average for Colorado at times, it can be made up with who they have defending the cage as well the amount of goals they can score plus a great coach in Jared Bednar I'm going with the Penguins Flames Panthers and Avalanche for the cup it's the speed round Circle Center speed around my top four teams to go and win the Stanley Cup right now it's the BK show episode 40 thanks for being with us as always all right coming up this week baseball season is upon us all preparation for the next couple days, and then April 8th, the minor leagues get started. Of course, the major leagues on April 7th. want to thank you all for listening. Um, it means a ton over the last couple years. There is a uh, great, great opportunity for even more content on the way with our partners at Friday Beers, T-H-E-B-R-E 15, 15% off right now. They are going on a college tour. Check that out as they may be coming to a town near you. But... Uh, I will be in South Bend quite a bit here coming up in the next month or so. And then the month of May, I'll be at the Indy 500. That track quite a bit. June, July, August, all baseball, right? And then August, get back for Colts training camp, Colts season, back to the Pacers. And then we just start that. It's so nice. We just kind of start that flow, right? You kind of get used to doing baseball during the summer. Then you take some off-season work. Then you get into the off-season everything in Indy and then you get ready for spring training back to the season it just feels good this is my first full baseball season since 2019 I couldn't do it without you guys I couldn't have made it through the last two and a half years without you guys thank you we'll talk to you soon